everybody, and welcome to episode 9 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we use the forgets, forgot, is it forgot? There you go, it's forgot, forgot. forgot. it's forgot. You've already forgotten. I've already forgotten. Using Forgotify, a website, we find tracks on Spotify that have, up until this point, not been played, and we kind of talk about them. Uh, we've been saying the website's name wrong pretty much the whole time, but you get it. I'm Robbie. I'm joined, as always, by Eric and Matt. Hey, everyone. Hello, everyone at home. All right, so before we jump into Look at that big podcast, breath he's taking. Did you guys hear the big <laughs> breath? He's getting ready. Yeah, before we jump into today's podcast, we have a brief sponsored message. Golden Coral Seafood Buffet. The only place to stuff your face with seafood. All right, with that out of the way, Matt, why don't you take it away? How, how, <laughs> how long did that one take you? How? What, uh, no, that was that was just this afternoon. Was you, were you just driving past the Golden Corral and struck by inspiration? <laughs> like, yeah, I've got yeah. It. Without this, without this becoming a Golden Corral advertisement, I was like, yeah, there's something there. <laughs> That's. You want to know me. what the <laughs> Golden Corral? Yeah, take out one R and we're there. Um, <laughs> The only one for everyone is the Golden Corral's new slogan. So the only place to stuff your face. It's got to rhyme. It's got to be, you know. That's good. Okay. It's an intense Golden Corral parody segment on this episode. That was good. I liked the, the, the rhyme scheme there. On to the music. So today I got something a little bit less weird than my usual selections. I found this uh, album by uh, Sam Rosetta. His album, Bucks and Does, it's actually his first album on Spotify, dating all the way back to 1982. And I was showing the fellas here that the man has quite a prolific output. He's got tons of tracks on Spotify, with his latest album being in 2012. And I think we're going to play just like a smidge of music off of that album. But this is the last track on the album. It's called Carol Ann's Farewell to Music. It's kind of just a short little postlude to the album and um, I'll just let the music do the speaking and then we can talk about Sam Rosetta. So that instrument is, again, the uh, hammered dulcimer, and Sam Rosetta is actually a an American dulcimer and instrument maker. So he seems to be uh, hailing from the kind of Appalachian region, making sure to say it correctly. And it says here that he grew up playing music with his uncle Earl Knott from Montana, and he would be like, you know, tinkering with banjos and guitars, and then as he got older, he uh, used his father's workshop to make those kinds of instruments. Now he specializes in both the kind of more trapezoid big hammered dulcimer and then the more, uh, I don't know, like kind of a gourd, big gourd shaped, the Appalachian dulcimer, which is something I don't think any of us knew the name of until today. And uh, these instruments are very interesting. Stringed, I think metallic, stringed instruments that you strike with little tiny hand mallets and it creates that really cool twangy sound. So uh, what do you fellas have to say about any of this? 
well, it's a bit like the, yeah, Eric's giving me a hand signal now. That's our new thing, everybody, is Eric directs us from his corner of Zoom with discreet hand symbols that I will now point out every time he does it. So You can call me the director. That's what we call him. So one of the things uh, I really like about the, the dulcimer, and really all sorts of, I guess, that whole family of sounds, things like plucking explos exposed strings with some mechanism. Of course, we use the guitar. There's also the distant piano relative, the harpsichord, that is kind of a similar sort of sound. And he's doing it again, folks. You can't stop this man. And it's sort of always got this really, this really earthy sort of timbre about it. And I really like, I know Eric mentioned a bit about the recording quality, and it's a kind of thing you hear a lot in like, well, recordings of harpsichord, recordings of like classical guitar, is very echoey. They want you to hear each string being coming up, coming down, and getting every single vibration along the way. And I think maybe the, the dulcimer, you know, it's a similar kind of sound, and I think this sort of very ambient echo is oftentimes sort of gone for in this type of recording. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Like Robbie said, the recording quality. And in this early recording from 1982, we do hear a lot of that echo, a lot of reverb. Kind of, I'm sure it doesn't sound fake to me. I bet he's in a space that just has a lot of ring time to it. I do want Matt to just go to his most recent album, I believe it's from 2012. Why don't we, we listen to Rolling Pumpkins, a little bit of it, just so we can hear the kind of jump in recording quality. Good, yeah. So I think what we can immediately hear right there is that the tone is a lot more clear. There's definitely some higher harmonics more present in the sound that's contributing to that. And the reverb time doesn't sound quite as long to me, but definitely the case that he's improved his recording quality and probably his whole method to recording this instrument over the last, uh, what would that be, like 30 years. In general, this was super interesting, and I'm, I'm really glad that Matt found this piece. Like he said, the Appalachian dulcimer is its own thing, right? It's an instrument that really has no ties to the region or to the people who brought it to the region. And yet it has become this quintessential Appalachian thing, which is just super interesting as to how that all kind of came about. And this folk tradition was started because it's a relatively recent folk tradition by folk standards, you know, within the last 200 years. I do want to say, and this is just a funny anecdote, that it is Appalachian. We're not part of NPR. We don't say Appalachian on this uh, on this podcast. And the only reason I know this is I lived with a gentleman from Appalachian for a couple years who is adamant that if you say Appalachian, he's going to throw an Appalachia. So... There we go, folks. There's the there's the apple Appalachian pun for the day. This is our new segment where we uh, do a podcast version of uh, t funny T-shirts. <laughs> That'd be a pretty good podcast. All right, would. let's do that. Reviewing funny T-shirts. Oh, we're no, gonna no, do we that. We just come now. up with funny T-shirts. Uh, All right, yeah, I guess we we okay. could do both. Could go either way. Yeah, yeah, gotta expand. Anyway, yeah, super good pick, Matt. I would I would listen to full album of this. Um, it's just so I cool. did have. Yeah, I did have a question for you. I know the dulcimer does show up occasionally in contemporary pieces, like in the Western art music world, but I'm struggling to think of, of some right now. Are there any off the top uh, of your head that you can... I know um, several, I'm thinking George like yeah, yeah. several George yeah. Crumb pieces use the hammer dulcimer, because I think he also hails from the region. 
Oh, does he? I didn't. I, 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 I feel like he's, he's also an Appalachian person, but he was also really big into the American folk tradition because, like, um, his I believe that his uh, maybe not mentor, but he really liked uh, Bartok, who we've talked about a few times as sure. being like a folk tradition kind of person. I think, uh, yeah, Crumb uses it a fair amount. I don't know any others off the top of my head because it is a rather obscure instrument, right? Like, yeah. If you're a dulcimer player, you're like the dulcimer person who gets called for like all the dulcimer gigs. Oh, uh, but can you imagine to be the dulcimer person? <laughs> That's what I think when I see people who like play the baroque instruments, like the the theorbo, you know, right? Yeah. Or the harpsichord. Or yeah, the harpsichord. But that one's like a little more common, right? You know, like yeah. a keyboard player can play harpsichord in general. Oh right? uh, well, I don't know. Maybe you talk to some harpsichordists about it. See what they say. Yeah, you're okay, about to offend. Uh, you're about to really offend some harpsichordists who will get into. No, no, a... I'm not. I'm not. They will emerge that... from the past, Derek. <laughs> They're gonna be typing on their keyboards. They're gonna be sweaty and angry. No, and I'm they're not clicking saying, a mechanism I... on that on their keyboards that lets them type louder. Before I get anyone just a upset. cool harpsichord <laughs> joke in there. Lots of harpsichord this episode. Yeah, I realize that harpsichord is like one of those instruments that yeah, a lot of studying goes into to really play in the style. Really, because that um, would correctly. be kind of a change in the position you had previously voiced. No, Derek. I'm just saying that I'm not sure that every ensemble really cares about that, and if they're gonna have harpsichord in their piece, sometimes they're just gonna hire a pianist to do it. Yeah. Mm. As opposed to the dulcimer player, where they're not gonna get a banjo player to just suddenly figure out how to Maybe? also play dulcimer, unless they will. I don't know. I think dulcimer is probably really like down there on the list of super obscure instrumental skills hammer mm. dulcimer's gotta be right well the original instrument is syrian right it's an ancient middle eastern sort of lineage right yeah i'm not sure don't quote me on it but i'm pretty sure the dulcimer has more origins in the middle eastern region because it, it does appear pretty much like everywhere there were variants of it in Asia, variants of it in like, you know, Sweden, Norse traditions, and then it made its way over to the US and like the Appalachian dulcimer tradition was born. But that's uh, that's our super obscure pick for this week. And uh, now we're going to hand it over to, I believe, Eric here with his selection. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, today we are listening to John Mooney's The Devil and Me, which is... Um, a demo track from his like demo album what you deserve honestly i'm not sure how this got on spotify but it did i can't find anything out about john mooney there is a famous guitar player by the name of john mooney who i believe is still alive but i do not think this is the same person just in case it is and i'm wrong and insulting this person john mooney is an american blues no it's Definitely not. Never mind. I'm not even going to go into it. Nah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, give it a listen, Matt. Was the uh, was the cat part of the song there? <laughs> it is a demo dude, recording, dude. It's every it's got to be every episode. I don't know, just the the pet. What does Noki want? Cameo. Oh wait, that, you're not. Yeah, that's, that's not, not Noki. Yeah, that's okay. Mira. 
Nero. All right, that's funny. To start things off with, you know, this, and Matt kind of agreed with me earlier, this gives me definite Death Cab for Cutie vibes, right? It is just a demo track, so clearly the audio quality um, kind of reflects that. It kind of just sounds like a little home studio or, you know, bedroom recording, which is really all you need for a demo track like this. He's got a nice voice. We skirt the edges of in tune at times, but I'm not sure if it's intentional or not. I think it could go either way, you know? There are plenty of famous singer-songwriters that uh, definitely spend more time out of tune than in tune, so it's not really a knock against uh, Mr. Mooney. I like the lyrics. Uh, the longer you listen to the track, they kind of meander a little, a little bit, but overall, the thematic material is nice and pleasant to listen to. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, this reminds me... Death Cab for Cutie came to mind, and then I also recalled a couple other much closer parallels. I really think Bright Eyes for this one. Oh, okay. Like the Conroe burst style of playing guitar, even the, even like the timbre is oddly similar. And um, Conroe burst also, he wasn't the most strictly like melodic singer. He really goes into a lot more of the timbres that you can evoke through speaking and at times like you know bordering on yelling in his case uh and i think that's its own certain style with kind of this i don't know what genre i would try to pigeonhole this into but it's uh it's like that folk songy folk, yeah folk songy folk singy bob dylan-ish kind of style of song and it's that raw kind of sound you know like what can you get when you're hovering just on the border between singing and speaking and sure. like what kind of characteristics can you evoke from the music there I also also kind of think of a Neutral Milk Hotel. They're a little more like that little bit that yeah. raw singing style, you know, not too refined. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. That's and that's their whole point. Yeah, they're yeah. not trying to be refined. Robbie, what do you think? You know, all all the comparisons are, are good and I think really uh, match well, especially Bob Dylan. I think is is what I thought about when I first heard it. It's kind of what makes I don't know. Sometimes maybe if I if you're thinking like a uh, from a musician for an instrumentalist perspective it can be hard to get into or at least it was for me to really get into tracks like Bob Dylan or, or songs like this where we've got so much is kind of not placed on the traditional elements of music that maybe you focused on uh, when you're learning an instrument I think it, it, it is really interesting music right and it's kind of maybe this is a bonkers comparison but this this sort of not really uh, a very clear melody kind of hovering around a few different pitches with a lot of words it reminds me a lot of like the recitative from operas it's kind of the same idea right because it's they're both meant to like get exposition out well maybe not yeah. exposition but tell stories right it's it's more kind of like communicating information and it's, the idea is not so much here's the melody it's like here's these words which have a few different pitches obviously you know recitative is much different but i think it, it always kind of seems similar to me in that way no that's a great comparison i kind of want to go off that because i was thinking it's it's so stream of consciousness like this yeah the, the lyrics and the songwriting here which is also you know very much this genre of music and yeah expository is 100 percent the word i would use for recitative and now i'm thinking even more about bob dylan didn't bob dylan say like all you need is for like a good song all you need is three chords and the truth or something like super cheesy like right. that That's... you know like you're gonna see that on someone's apartment wall on like a poster of bob dylan right fuck yeah <laughs> But no, I, I think that's um, it's a good comparison, Robbie. So, uh, of course, Richard, Richard, I'm not going to 
not going to be able to say it. That's okay. Is is very different. It's uh, it's just supposed to get out the expository material. And there's a lot of music that does that. Expository kind of, I don't know, just telling it like it is music. Like we've talked about even the blues will really do that a lot. You know, it's not so much about the notes. It's about like how the narrative gets told through like the the style of the music right right but shall we move on to robbie's selection let's do robbie's selection a very (laughs) natural transition this is the first time i've said this so my group this week is called james edge and the mind step and the album is in the hills comma the cities so that's kind of like a sentence with every word capitalized in the hills comma the cities and the track is where we're going so let's take a, a listen to that get into the music itself i'll talk a little bit uh, about the band so the band again is called james edge and the mind step and uh, he does have a, a website that's james edge and the mind and on twitter he's james edge and he's at the mind step so good branding for him but a little bit about him he after moving to london and starting to gig in 2006 james edge formed james edge and the mind step to record the 2010 debut album that's this one in the hills and it goes on to kind of talk about the working relationships he he built from that album with different producers and string arrangers and, and musicians. From touring the, that particular album, uh, what's described as the jazz folk trio uh, of him, James Edge, who's a guitarist, uh, a double bassist, Andy Waterworth, and drummer Avon Chambers. So, and then he's got more other, or he's got other tracks, other music. I think he recently released uh, something in 2017, 2016, that all seems to be, you know, quite, quite good. Uh, and getting into this track a, a little bit, I, I think this is another gem for me that I'm really happy to have uh, stumbled upon. It kind of immediately calls to mind, I don't know, Dave Matthews Band. It was kind of what I got on my very first sort of listen to it, but it's got... A nice melody and some interesting chords thrown in there that I really think, you know, add some compelling sort of motion to this arrangement. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think motion is um, a good word. The the song has a lot of forward momentum. And of course, a lot of that is the opening drum set. And even the counting really kind of adds to that propulsion. The first time you played this for us, that those first five seconds, I really didn't see it going in the direction that it did. And I don't know whether it's fair, but getting into songs is hard, right? It's difficult to think of how to start a song. To me, the drum set here seems kind of out of place with where it ends up, Mm. but I also like the forward momentum that it creates. And then the additional harmonic texture that Robbie kind of talks about helps to keep it propelled forward. I really don't know who to compare this to. You said Dave Matthews Band, and I honestly haven't listened to enough Dave Matthews Band to really be able to say, like, yeah, that makes sense to me. But it does sound like something I should know. Or, like, you know, there's an obvious kind of reference here. Matt, what do you think? This makes me think of, like, 
want to say around 2012 when all those little like indie bands were popping up more and more like uh what is it monsters and men i'm just trying to think of everything my freshman roommate listened to he had like a really sick beard and a ukulele um rug rug sweater uh monsters and men fleet foxes like those kinds of bands where it's it seems like they always had to have a little glockenspiel kind of chiming in the background right yeah a little ukulele in there and and like i think i heard a harmonica or something in there some reedy high reedy thing right a nice melange of instruments yeah but i mean the mixing was really good like you can hear each instrument has its own like little pocket and i don't know if you guys could hear the panning too but um yeah i think it's like that kind of indie hipster indie music from like early 2010s and i do want to talk about those chords because those were some spicy boys i was not ready because it it, like you know i started off on the one chord and i think it was flat three we got yeah something something. like that it got me thinking of our uh well actually our just uh drop the needle in the haystack uh theme i was like oh is that the 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 whole step motion up to oh i was turned on my keyboard and i accidentally clicked a one that's like a drum beat and it was really loud in my headphones anyway but i was thinking it's it reminds me of i don't even know what i'm talking about eric take it away i lost my train of thought (laughs) matt why don't you go ahead since you're talking about the chords? i'm gonna cut this whole section matt give me that again (laughs) One yeah, more so time. This this chord progression, it was really interesting to me because it it was quite unusual. Like it starts off, you know, just kind of vamping on that one chord, but then you get like flat three in there. It also sounded like maybe flat seven. I yeah, that's really sure. that that's. I was having a hard time because uh, now I remember. I was gonna say it almost reminded me of our of our jingle at the beginning because I go up to the flat six, flat seven. And then that's whole step motion up to up to the root there. And that's sort of what I thought I heard, or at least maybe in the melody, I think I'm hearing that flat six. Something like that, but it's definitely not your run-of-the-mill, like, standard chords that, you know, you reach into the grab bag of, like, common chords to use for, like, a little folk poppy song. Mm. This is not what you typically encounter. These are very unique chords. Right, and I think that's what sort of set it apart for me, because, you know, I definitely get the, the, the indie band vibe or, or sort of, like... You know, maybe it might sound like it goes in a car commercial, like the 2010 <laughs> Hyundai Sonata, and it's got this drum beat and those choir songs, and that's oh sort of what God. it makes me think of. But then yeah. the these chords are just like a little bit, because it's, it's not like huge, you know, strange progressions. It's just like every phrase or, or a little bit of these interesting chords that sort of tr- make it transcend for me. That's right, yeah. The chord progression itself isn't too long or intricate. It's still probably maybe three or four chords per kind right. of like verse or stanza. But yeah. within that, the framework, uh, within the framework, they're just odd selections. That does, it does sound like a little car commercial, though. I, I'm thinking like, you know, the 2019 Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> right, and it's, exactly. It's like that, what's that one Matt and Kim song they've been using in commercials for like literally the last 10 years at least? I don't know its name, sure. but I could hear it in my head. You I know, know what you're you know talking, talking about. about, right? It goes like right. Da, 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 oh, the car okay. commercial yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it after that first introduction, the lady comes in. We all need a vehicle to get around these days, or whatever they say in car commercials. What do they say in car commercials, Eric? I think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the COVID slogan right now. We all need a car to get around in these days. Yeah. Uh, but this is a nice oh, one. It's... I would definitely keep listening to this. I want to check out more of their stuff. I do too. It's a good track, Robbie. Good find. Thank you. Oh, so that's shall enough. we uh, shall we talk about what we've been listening to now, fellas? Sure. Sure. 
Robbie oh. went last last week. Oh no, he went first last week. Who went last last week? I went last last week. You always go last, Eric. All right, I'll keep going last then. Robbie, you get to go first this time. <laughs> he always does something like this. He's always got, you know how you can tell? He's got this mischievous glint in his eye where he'll be going mean, like it's. You mean the shit eating grin? Right, exactly. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Going like it's a regular conversation, but like, you know, this guy's planning something, some joke. Well, this year. Or this week, uh, <laughs> this year, it's felt it feels like, like a, it's been a year, right? It does. Christ, how's everybody doing? Fuck. <laughs> anyway, um, well, for the vast expanse of time, as far as anyone can tell, I've been listening to the new single from Wolfpack, LAX, Ooh. with Joey Dosick. I think it is okay. the guest artist. It's good, good track, good track. Not to anyone's surprise, probably if they know me. Um, Twice released a new album, so Twice is my favorite K-pop group. <laughs> and uh, they released a big new album, so I've been listening to that one. And of course, I've been listening to the title track a lot. Uh, the title track is Can't Stop Me. It's very good. It's got a nice... They're doing an 80s throwback with this album. It's pretty cool. A unique uh, decade to throwback to. Usually it's like the 70s. But yeah, check it out if you uh, want to listen to some good K-pop. All righty. Is um I'm sorry, it's twice a mixed group or is it? Oh, dude, there's say? like there's like barely any mixed groups. They're a girl group. Twice is a nine-member girl group. The currently the nation's girl group. So yeah. Yeah. So this week I listened to David Schifrin's Nielsen Clarinet Concerto and Chamber Music. Mm. It's a uh, all Nielsen themed album. Really, really good. I've been listening to the Nielsen Concerto a lot, but that's not all I listened to this week. I also listen, because it's spooky season, to Schubert's famous song, the... Help me with the pronunciation here. Is it Earl Koenig? Is I think that... so. Isn't it Earl Koenig? Earl... Earl... It's got the umlaut over the, U... over the O, and I never know what to do with that. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, you know, it's a fantastic song. The Earl song. King. Yeah, the Earl King. The Earl King. I... I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's a great video on YouTube for the Earl Koenig, and... Oh, is it the animation? Yeah. With, like, the papers? And... Yeah, it's so cool. I, it's by Oxford Leader. Oh. Yeah, it's got like 6.8 million views. If you look up Franz Schubert Olkinick, it's the first thing that pops up. And it made me think, you know, why is classical music so bad at marketing itself, right? Fantasia was like, the best marketing we ever had, dude. I know. Like, you have things like this, uh, this little YouTube video or things like Fantasia or like video games that have actually just, instead of hiring someone to write them a score have just like taken Dvorak 9 and put it in their game like Civ does that oh yeah and you know like why don't we do more of that because if you if you produce the content in the right way there's clearly an audience for it like people enjoy it but we can't seem to figure it out or at least we do but we keep forgetting I don't know yeah that's an interesting but. conundrum I mean that me as like a composer and a new music guy it's like please stop using old music and just like hire people to write the music <laughs> sure. but like Hmm, that's interesting yeah but you know like big organizations could probably use more of that like symphony orchestras that are struggling especially nowadays right yeah but it just seems like yeah there, there should be an avenue to make this kind of content and there's clearly an audience that is willing to consume it and wants to consume it and yet that's like a little gem and there's almost nothing that's comparable to that one youtube video right do they have of any the others of, of other schubert songs or is it just that one uh let me look at their channel real quick See what they I mean use. that's like I mean, the most iconic Schubert songs. That's right. That, why. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense, but I mean Maybe you could probably do songs from like yeah, or that or Venturiza. No, that's the only one that's like that. Oh no. They have one other, but I don't 
it just came out this year or last year i'm not sure in honor of spooky season though i do want to give a shout out to um what i always watch this time of year and you can listen to the soundtrack because it's fantastic uh, it's this short little animation uh like a mini series that's maybe like 10 or 11 episodes that are only 10 minutes each so the whole thing racks up to like an hour 40. It's called Over the Garden Wall. It was created by the same guy who did Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Oh, and it's a great okay. little, not necessarily Halloween, but just like autumnal spooky movie about like two boys who get lost in the woods. One of them voiced, voiced by um, Elijah Wood for some reason. Oh, that's funny. Aww. But the music is really cool. I would recommend it if you want to watch like a short little Halloween-ish thing. And that was Over the Garden Wall? Over the Garden Wall. It's my favorite Halloween movie. To watch that. Yeah, writing that down. Alrighty, you wanna give our outro, Robbie? Of course, Eric. I would love to. Uh, it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, well, follow us. Where, Robbie? Our... Where should they follow? Follow you? us on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you're getting the podcast. Follow and, and subscribe and like and rate and review wherever it's applicable. You can find us on Twitter at Drop Haystack and on Instagram and Facebook at Drop the Needle in the Haystack tune in there for all sorts of fun videos and stuff behind the scenes you get to see matt's dog or the 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 fallout from matt's dog vomiting on his feet that's a good one you get to see eric's brain buffering for like a full five seconds as he forgot the word for zoo so we're, we're getting a good clip culture going y'all you can check it out on our instagram classic moment classic moment all right everyone as always thanks for listening we'll catch you next week <laughs>